Welcome to the Thinking Like a Boss podcast. I'm your host, Kate Krakow, author, therapist, and business mindset coach. In just 20 minutes a week, I'm going to coach you to your breakthrough, whether you're folding laundry, walking the dog, or in the school pickup line. It's hard to chase your dreams, chase clients, and chase littles at the same time. Your inner critic doesn't have to hold you back anymore. Together, we'll make you the boss of your brain so you can become the confident boss of your business and your life. Ready for your weekly mindset makeover? Let's turn your limiting beliefs into limitless opportunity starting now. Hey guys, I'm back just for a hot minute. I could not not do an interview with my good friend Jennifer Papito of The Peaceful Press. She just had a book release which has spoken to me in so many different ways in this season, especially of being off from my business, being disconnected from social media, being disconnected from the podcast. But I really needed to tell you about this book because it's called Mothering by the Book. And it talks about all the fears of motherhood. And she counteracts those fears with scripture and also other books that she has read aloud to her children. It's such a cool concept and I just want to share it with you guys. I want you to be able to listen to her words and to be encouraged by her because I have been so encouraged by her. I've not been able to put the book down. I have sped through it so quickly. Um, I have a digital copy. I cannot wait to get the actual copy in my hands. But if you are a mom or you might become a mom in the future and you have any fears around parenting, mamahood, Um, If you have guilt, if you have regrets, anything, this book, it just feels like a warm blanket of love. Again, every chapter I go into, I'm like, oh my God, I feel like I'm being spoken to. I feel like somebody understands my life and the hardships and what I've been going through. Um, So without further ado, let's dive into episode 183 of the Thinking Like a Boss podcast. And I'll miss you guys because I won't be back for a while. Hey, Jennifer. Hi, Kate. I'm so excited that we get to talk today. I know. I have been counting down the days to have this conversation with you, and I feel like it couldn't have been at the a more perfect time. Um, I shared a little bit earlier in on the podcast about how I've recently decided to pause the podcast to really just focus and be even more present with my little ones. Um, And this was at a perfect time where I just, I actually really needed to have this conversation with you. And I know that a lot of our listeners will really relate to this as well. So um, thank you so much for being here. So I am so pumped to dive in and talk a little bit about your book. Jennifer just wrote a book and it's called Mothering by the Book, The Power of Reading Aloud to Overcome Fear and Recapture Joy. And this book, I have not been able to put it down since I uh, received the manuscript. I have just been trying to read in any little nook and cranny and crevice I can get all day long. So... I'm so excited to just sort of dive in. Um, Jennifer, before we talk a little bit about the book, I would love just to hear a little bit about what you do because I know we have other mamas who are 
potentially interested in homeschooling. And I have learned so much from you. Um, it's funny because I remind myself of some of the people who email me at times and they're like, I've downloaded every single one of your freebies. I bought this course. Now I'm moving on to this. I'm ready to join the mastermind. And I just feel exactly the same. I have done pretty much every little download that you have to offer, every um, challenge. And um, I actually just received yesterday in the mail our Nourishing Nature curriculum printed out for the year. It's so beautiful. I'm literally going to get like our house organized um, in a different way to just get ready for this because we're so excited. So yeah, just tell us a little bit about the Peaceful Press, um, how long you've been doing this, and then we'll dive into the book. Well, thanks, Kate. I appreciate that so much. I um, I have seven children and I've been homeschooling for 25 years. And when I had just kind of gotten started for a few years, I discovered that one of my children had some special learning needs. And this really started a quest for me of trying to figure out how to help her. And so I read all this research on education and development. And one of the things I discovered is that early childhood education for most kids is not conducive to brain development. Like children shouldn't be sitting at desk doing worksheets as early as they are. They should be playing and moving and, you know, watering plants and carrying things and doing art and just in a multitude of ways, having a whole body experience. And that's what helps prepare the brain for learning. So the first resource that I wrote, because I was like, we, people don't know about this homeschoolers, regular kids aren't getting enough sensory input. They're not getting enough movement-based learning. So I wrote a resource called the Peaceful Preschool, which inc includes fine motor and large motor skills because children aren't going to do well with academics if they haven't first laid a foundation of moving their bodies so their brains can develop and moving their fingers in small ways like lacing and tracing and putting beads on a string they won't be able to follow a line to read or follow the numbers to add something up in columns if they haven't first done a lot of tracking exercises with the fine motor skills. So that was my first resource of peaceful preschool. I was really passionate about empowering parents to help their preschoolers develop. And then I also wrote three history cycles. I love history and I love children to have a hopeful worldview so I wrote a, uh, it's the Playful Pioneers is American History and uh, the Peaceful, the, sorry, mm -hmm. the Precious People is a world history resource. And then I also have the Kind Kingdom, which is a European history resource. And they all use beautiful literature and then a lot of notebooking and drawing and writing and science experiments to really dive into the different time periods. And then the final resource I did create was the Nourishing Nature Kindergarten, which is kind of that, that space between preschool and first grade with the Playful Pioneers. And it just includes all these amazing nature-based picture books. And then more of that fine and large motor work and phonics and counting skills to really give children a thorough kindergarten year that is delightful and playful and still covers the bases so well. Mm. 
Well, we are so excited. We've been doing your um, Peaceful Loop over the last, I think it's been like six or eight months now. And what I love most about all of your resources is you make it feel so easy. It literally, it feels peaceful. Like I love how you picked the name, the Peaceful Press, um, because I can get very, very overwhelmed easily. And I think that's why school was very difficult for me. Um, so when teaching my kids, I also want to make it simple and um, everything is so beautiful to look at and the books that you choose, like everything's so intentional. Um, so yeah, I hope that people will go and take a peek at your curriculums and maybe join the loop when it starts up again, I think in August you mentioned. But let's dive into the book now. So I guess first question for you, I'd love to hear, um, I just love the whole book writing process. Um, when did this book come to you? When did you start thinking about writing it? And yeah, was there like a specific chapter maybe that sort of started the book? I know when I wrote my books, um, my one of my very first chapters of my first book was the motherhood chapter. I just started like one day I was writing journal entries and it ended up that's sort of what turned into the book itself. So I'm curious now after reading the book, if there's, um, something specific that really sparked the process for you. It did really come to me. It's interesting that you said that because my, I was working on a book with my daughter originally about how her, she had an eating disorder as a teenager mm -hmm. and that really sparked this overcoming perfectionism journey in me and just kind of understanding that I was loved and her understanding that she was loved and then having that change our paradigm of life. And so the, you know, so that was the book I was originally working on, but I have been reading out loud to my children for 25 years and I love reading out loud to my kids. And I was also a mother, which maybe just and maybe just indicates that you struggle with fear. I feel like as moms, we love our kids so much and it naturally causes some worry. And for some of us, maybe that's even more intense, but that, you know, as I, as I just started processing my journey with fear and the destruction that it caused in my family, but also the things that had helped me overcome, it always pointed back to the books that I was reading out loud. You know, as I read, and in, I, in every chapter of the book, it kind of covers a different book I read out loud and how it helped me overcome a different fear. But, you know, reading the Little Britches books, it's a whole historical series that are somewhat autobiographical. And reading those books and seeing how the mother in that story, even though she'd lost her husband and she was desperately trying to find a way to make enough money to keep her family together, she was just so brave and didn't complain when things went badly. And she had such a cheerful and thankful attitude. And that may, gave me a perspective that, you know, in our own trials, that I could be cheerful and thankful and mm. give my children a different experience than might have been natural for me. So, you know, even though I love to read nonfiction books and self-help books and how to do better books, yeah. in many ways, it was those stories that really gave me the inspiration to do better. Oh, I love that. I love that. So chapter three, um, three, four, and five are just what have really stuck out to me. Um, but chapter three, especially the fear of the baby years. Um, 
And the sim- there's one point in there where you talk about the simple steps to stay present. Um, do you want to speak to that a little bit? Because I think it can be really pr- difficult to stay present when it feels just like utter chaos. Um, and I think there's one point in that chapter where you talk about you were like trying to feed the baby and get one of your kids settled for school. And it was just like one thing after the other. And I think you said something like, it feels like you were playing whack-a-mole. Right. It's It's an amazing season because, you know, you're just lucky if you get to sit down to a meal. You know, it's a miracle if you can have a shower by yourself. So it's a super intense period, but I think we make it worse by worrying about the future. You know, if we could just be present and responsive to this short season, because it goes so fast. Like if you only have a couple of kids, you're done in just a few years. Do you know what I mean? And you'll never again have someone look at you the way your infant looks at you. You know, you'll never again smell the smell of your baby's breath right after they're done feeding or, or see the laughter and the smile on their face, like a baby giggle. There's nothing like it. And so if we could stop worrying about the future and stop planning ahead so much, and some of the steps that I talk about are, you know, stop looking at our phone so much, like babies thrive on eye contact and it can feel like, Oh, here, the baby's nursing. This is my chance to catch up on my emails and stuff. And, you know, it it is hard because we do have a life outside of our babies and besides our babies. But I think, you know, we can either savor that season with our babies or we can have a lot of regret afterwards. And so maybe, maybe it does mean that at least one or two feedings a day, you just put the phone down and just think process and look your babies in the eye, mm-hmm. uh, you know, simplify home care. Like it's not necessarily the time to have an Instagram worthy house. You know what I mean? It's not necessarily the time where you're going to be able to document your life. I mean, I hope that you take lots of pictures because it'll be over so fast, yeah. but it's not necessarily the time where everything can be so perfect if you want to enjoy it. And, it, and it's a gift to yourself too, because I feel like as women, we don't really get to enjoy our lives very much. And that's a big point of my book is like, savor your life. Don't just always be rushing ahead to the next thing or trying to gain the next goal. Make sure that you're taking time. There's that Pomodoro method where you like reward yourself for every 15 minutes of work. Mm-hmm. You know, pause and reward yourself that you had a baby. Maybe that means that you do take a full you know, three months, six months, a year off of other projects so that you can reward yourself and just sit in your life for a while. Like this could be a time where you start to think about your goals or you process your life a little bit, or you, you know, just kind of pay attention to your surroundings because I think beautiful ideas come to us when we quiet our minds. And I know that, you know, a lot of your audience are business women who probably have amazing ideas for changing the world but maybe this will be that season where you just let those ideas germinate. Mm. And then, you know, also simplifying school. If you have older children or you're homeschooling, I mean, tell the teacher we're in our baby season. We're going to be doing minimal uh, homework or, or you just do the homework orally with your child instead of having to take care of a baby while also, you know, struggling through homework with an older child. Um, Maybe it means that you 
you know, batch your kids. Like I know for you, you have a preschooler and you have a kindergartner and you have a baby and you're like, how do I manage all of this? But I, there's a, a list that I love that just talks about, you know, in those years before age 10, even focus on great stories, reading out loud, having them learn how to listen to you. Cause it's much easier to get buy-in from a small child, like, Hey, go put your clothes in your room. Then if you never ask them to do anything and you try to start with a teenager or something, you know, so, so um, teaching the little ones, playing little games where they pick up things for you or take their clothes to the room, little things where they're starting to learn how to listen to you. So there are so many beautiful things we can do in these early years that are conducive to caring for a baby. I love that. I think there were times before I found your content um, where I used to feel guilt because I would look around the house and it was a mess. And I'd say like, all I've done today is read them books and like play outside with them. Like that's all we've done or cook meals. And then I realized how important, how, wow, like I was doing school with them all along and just to be able to sit down and captivate their attention and not need a screen or a, TV or something like that's actually winning. Um, hundred percent. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I love, I love so much how you just talk about the baby years and the being present because I think when you're in it, it feels like what do they say the days are long, but the years are short and it's exactly it. And especially for those women who have their businesses or their careers, it feels like it's excruciating long at times. Like, um, I'm never going to be able to go back to work or do this or that. And when I had my first Annabelle, like I have so many regrets around it and I know there's, you know, now we can move on and change things, but, um, by having other children and learning to be really present and not be on my phone and not be working around the clock, what I've noticed is motherhood is so much easier and it's so enjoyable. Um, when, you know, Annabelle was a baby, it was so hard. And I just was like up against this resistance all of the time. And when I look back, I was like, I think to myself, like for what? Like it was such a short period of time. So for those moms who are new to motherhood or have a baby on the way, like if you can just allow yourself to be so present because it's going to fly by. You're going to look back someday and just wish that maybe you were a little bit more present. I love that. It's just, it is such a short season. And so learning how to let it be a, you know, a break for yourself, let it be this season of just sinking in and enjoying it instead of always kind of fighting against it. And it does, it does feel long, but it's not long. It's fast. Oh, it's so fast. I was yesterday in church, we were sitting next to a baby who was probably like eight months. She was just like sitting up on her own and moving a little bit. And I was like, oh my God, like Drew was only 15 months, but he's running around now. Um, And it just like made me long for that season just a little bit behind us. So chapter four, the fear of failure. Um, This one spoke to me so much. I was almost in tears just hearing about what you went through with your daughter and 
one specific exercise that you did with um, just speaking life over her when she was in that season of struggling and literally recording life-giving words and playing them over her at nighttime. Um, can you just speak to that chapter a little bit? Yeah, it was, it was interesting because in my own personal life, there have been times where I've been in a culture that really affirmed the importance of speaking life. And other times where I've been in cultures where they kind of act like it's weird or they act like it's better to just speak the blunt truth, you know? Mm -hmm. And so with my daughter, I, I knew that I shouldn't say cruel things. She has learning disabilities. And there was a season where just everything was hard. You know, not, there was not one area of her life that was easier that in a way that she was excelling in. And so, you know, I knew that I, I needed to be kind, but we went to see, we were using a neurodevelopmental therapist and she was giving us different activities to do with our child. And she said, you know, you need to encourage this child. And so maybe in the daytime, you're not going to find much to praise her for. And I think we can overdo praise as parents, but yeah. you know, she said, when you, when you put her to bed at night, just make a recording where you are saying kind things to her and play that for her as she goes to sleep. Things like you're kind to your siblings and you have such a loving heart and you are such a treasure. And, you know, as I, as I started to do that, we saw changes, but it was really highlighted for me in the book, Charlotte's Web, you know, <clears throat> Wilbur was a messy little pig, <laughs> you know, there was nothing necessarily special about him, but because Charlotte spoke life to him, she called him radiant. She called him terrific. He started acting radiant and terrific and it changed his destiny. And you can see this in so many other you know, stories, you see somebody believed in a child, somebody believed in a teenager and their life changed. And so, and even for ourselves, like, I think sometimes we get away with saying such horrible things to ourselves, you know, we're, mm. I'm such a screw up. I'm a terrible mother. I can't believe I did that. You know what I mean? And, and what it, does that make us try better? Does it make us try harder? No, it just makes us feel defeated and like we can't do anything right. So understanding this really helped me with my children to just speak life, speak hopeful words, speak, you know, and sometimes that for me, I'm a, you know, I love, I'm a spiritual person. I love listening to God. Sometimes that is me saying, God, what do you want to say about this situation? Because mm -hmm. it's, it can be hard when you're in the middle of a, of a really difficult time with a child where they're not doing what you think they could or should do to know what to say, but kind of, you know, even if it means looking for some kind of inspiration, listening to God about it can help us have a word of encouragement in season for ourselves and our children. Mm, I love that so much. Yeah. I going through that chapter, I just could relate so much just with our season of what we've been going through with little Charlie and um, just trying hard when it's really hard um, to speak more life over her. And it, it also made me feel human too, like just hearing that other people struggle because I think that sometimes we think like, oh, I'm just the worst mom in the world. No one else thinks thoughts like this or 
you know, in frustration says certain things to their kids. Um, but we just have to remember that we are human and, um, to try to release some of that guilt that we have at times, because, um, if not, it just holds us captive and we can't even move forward when we are just covered in guilt. Yeah. Every day is a new day. I actually make a practice of, you know, saying a little forgiveness, um, almost like a forgiveness meditation to myself, mm-hmm. you know, just saying, I forgive myself for the way I was unkind to that child and for the way I did this and the way I did that. And I just bless myself to start fresh or, you know, whatever the words that I need to speak to myself are, because as moms, we are definitely going to make mistakes. Like mm-hmm. we'll try the best we can, but we will definitely make mistakes. And so making a practice of just releasing that condemnation and and speaking life over ourselves just like we would do for our children is so important for getting that fresh start where we can just pour out love again on those kids who are difficult or whoever that person in your life who maybe is extra demanding Mm -hmm. I love that and then I want to talk lastly a little bit about chapter five um, because this one I felt like really tied in with chapter three a little bit, overcoming the fear of your child being behind. And actually, I feel like it, for myself, it really goes in with chapter four too, because of what we've sort of been experiencing with Charlie and her physical needs. Um, It, at times I feel so consumed by that, by her needs that I'm, I have all of these fears in my mind, like my other, like Annabelle's behind or the other day it dawned on me, like little Drew, I said, oh my goodness, he never got with the other two kids. So my two daughters both were in daycare when they were babies and, you know, they did the, like the wheels on the bus or the itsy bitsy spider. I've never taught him any of those songs. And I know that it's not a big deal, but I'm just saying that because I know as moms, we have these irrational fears at times, um, that we're messing our kids up. And because what he didn't learn the itsy bitsy spider or the wheels on the bus. But I think we really struggle with this fear of our child being behind, especially when we have something going on in our life, whether it's maybe a, you know, a relative being sick or, um, you know, a season where it's financially hard. So, you know, one of the parents needs to work extra shifts or whatever. Um, So if you could just speak to chapter five a little bit, that would be awesome. Yeah. So in that chapter, I talk about how a book I read, it's called Understood Betsy, kind of helped me see a different perspective on education. You know, in the in the book, the girl is in a small country school and she's concerned because she didn't do well on a test. And she's staying with this very confident, very practical family. And they kind of say, I mean, your grade, where you place on a test really doesn't matter. It's mm-hmm. it's not an indication of who you are as a person or your future abilities or what your life will be like. And, you know, kind of watching their attitude was so transformative for me. But honestly, over the years, I've read tons of John Taylor Gatto work. Mm-hmm. He was a New York State Teacher of the Year. And he was also an educational revolutionary. And you know, the, the system that we have for education is so new. And if you look at the history behind it, a lot of it was a, 
there was a, a need to fill factories. And so they educated people to follow directions and to be willing to be a cog in a wheel. And you can really see that in the way that schools can kind of make it hard if you're a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And the different always changes. You know what I mean? Like t- according to the times, like what was what was different and weird a little while ago might be the acceptable kind of different and weird now. Mm-hmm. But the there's such a group think kind of mentality. It's really hard for a child who's who's maybe struggling in school or is just a different kind of learner. So it, it really, you know, some of the books that I've read have really helped me just for one thing, have a more holistic view of education. You know, these kids who are pushed so hard in kindergarten and they learn to read when they're five or whatever, the gains, the academic gains all even out by about grade five or six. And then John Taylor Gatto said, it only takes 50 hours of instruction to teach the basic skills. And so we could spend all the years from kindergarten through 12th grade, you know, teaching for six hours a day, or we could spend those early years playing with Play-Doh and going on walks and reading beautiful books and talking about the books and drawing them and playing it out and, and baking together and doing experiments and just having fun It'll all work out the same and, and not just work out the same, but your child who had a little bit more time or who had some alternative education in the early years, they will probably end up being more innovative and less burnt out than the kids who are pushed into academics too early. You know, there are so many studies that I I was just reading one about Asian schools, you know, people look at Asian schools because they score so high on tests. Mm. But then a lot of those kids who, you know, because they start really early and they spend long days learning. But then some of the studies are showing that they lack a lot of the innovation that would take to create new technologies. Mm. You know, so I think it's important. Every family's different and the goal for each family is so different too. So, you know, I think we have to take into consideration who we are as a family but I, I think giving yourself permission to choose what's best for your child is the key here. You know, some kids are going to thrive in a regular school atmosphere. Some kids are going to need a little bit more time to develop and just being sensitive and aware and giving, having the confidence to choose a different path if that's what's best for your family mm-hmm. is what I'm advocating for in this chapter. Yeah. And I think it's just comforting to know also that, you know, I think thinking back when I was like in school, it was all about grades. And I think so much, so many parents put so much pressure on their kids of, you know, you have to get these good grades and grades don't equal success. Um, And I think especially now, I think people are starting to become more entrepreneurs and starting to, you know, build their own businesses and realizing um, I think our generation is starting to realize that, you know, maybe we didn't need to have so much of a focus on education. Um, and like you said, really just learning life skills, um, people skills. I think that's the most important. Um, it's funny because, you know, one of the fears that I've heard a lot of people say about homeschooling is like, how how are your kids socialize? how are they going to socialize? And what I always say is, but when I was in school, 
I was always in the principal's office. I was always in trouble because my teachers would say to me, school is not for socializing. School is to learn. You have to stop talking, Katie. They used to call me Katie. Um, and it's just funny because school is that that's what you're supposed to go there for is to learn not to socialize. And with homeschool, we're a part of so many different communities where the kids get to socialize and they get to work together and they get to problem solve together. Um, and it's just really amazing to see them get to have such a social environment. Yeah, it's true. I mean, there's there, I, I feel like the socialization that you get in alternative education is so much more thorough in a way, you know, they, mm -hmm. they're learning to be kind to grandparents and they're learning to maybe care for a baby in your home, or they're learning to play with cousins of multiple ages. So the socialization they do in school, it's a bit artificial because it's only one age group. That's whereas true. if you're homeschooling, you have to learn how to get along with a variety of, of ages and stages and interests. And I love the way it develops such uh, a big wide worldview and capability and getting along with people. Hmm. Well, Jennifer, this was incredible today. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom. Can you tell us where everyone can find you and also where they can find your book? And I know you have a bunch of book bonuses to offer. Yeah. So the, the curriculum and homeschool preschool resources are on the peaceful press.shop and you can get a free download of all of our most popular resources there and then or a free sample and then on motheringbythebook.com you if you pre-order my book I'll give you free access to a course that I did with my daughter where we go over the study guide some of the activities that I've talked about here are included in a study guide in the book and my daughter and I kind of walk you through those and then we also have a planner, an intentional life planner, a book list of books to overcome free, uh, fear, all on that page, Mothering by the Book, if you just enter your order number in the little form there. Awesome. I actually just received in the mail last week your hardcover planner. It's awesome. I love it. Oh, I, I'm a... I love planning. I'm yeah. semi a planner junkie, honestly. Yeah. But I kind of you know, had to combine the best of what I'd learned in the homeschool planner. Thanks for, thanks for using it, Kate. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, I have like, I have every single one of your resources. We have, I bought a laminator recently. We did all the chore cards and got those all cut out and we've been using those. Um, you just make everything feel so simple. And even for families who are not homeschooling, but just want to sort of simplify your home life and um, include your kids in more activities within the home to just make things easier for you in the future. Um, the chore pack is phenomenal. I think that would be a great um, resource for people who are not even homeschooling and like the peaceful loop that opens again in August. You mentioned that's right. Yep. Okay. August 15th. Yeah. Ish. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Oh, thanks, Kate. You're such a treasure. I, I've learned so much from you. I'm um I know that your your community knows about your amazing books. And it's just been such a treasure to be able to read through those books and learn 
but then also have your guidance as I launched my first book. So thank you, Kate. You've been such a great friend. I'm so thankful for you. Thank you. I'm grateful for you. Hey friends, make sure you subscribe so you can receive the latest episode automatically downloaded wherever you are listening to this show. We also read every single review. So make sure you let us know what you thought about today's episode by leaving a review. Love ya.